Well, today is Palm Sunday, and we're going to take you through a few passages of Scripture related to this. So we're going back to the time where Jesus was on the earth. Read John 12, 12. The next day, the great crowd that had come for the festival, this is the time of Passover, heard that Jesus was on his way to Jerusalem. They took palm branches and went out to meet him, shouting, Hosanna, which means Lord save us, and blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is the King of Israel. Jesus found a young donkey and sat on it, as is it written, do not be afraid, daughter Zion. See, your king is coming, seated on a donkey's colt. So these crowds are together. This is one of the major festivals for the nation of Israel. And this is Passover. This is the time where they're celebrating uh, the, the death of the lamb, the, the blood that was shed on the doorpost as they were leaving Egypt. And people have come from all over, all the surrounding areas. They've come back to Jerusalem. And they're excited. There's some significant things that are going on. But there's a huge level of expectation that's happening in the nation as a whole because it's been 400 years since they've heard a prophet speak. It's been four, over 400 years since Malachi spoke. And they have been living. Their history was the word of the Lord was what was guiding them. Malachi had said to them at that point in time, I will send my messenger who will prepare the way before me. Then suddenly, the Lord you are seeking will come to this temple. The messenger of the covenant, whom you desire, will come. That's the last word they heard. There's a Messiah that's going to be coming. And uh, they had been suffering under Persians and Greeks. There's no prophetic voice. And many of them, the most faithful, were waiting for the Messiah to come, the one who would make everything right. They'd been living in this place of shame. They'd, uh, their history was of the Davidic kingdom. They were, they were top of the world. This was the time when their armies ruled everything. And now they've been ruled by several different nations. One came, and he's performing miracles. The dead are raised. He's speaking with authorities, challenging religious leaders. Could this be the true king? Would all of this Davidic glory be restored? In Luke chapter 19, speaking of this same story, the crowd is yelling out, Hosanna! Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. And the, the religious leaders are saying, Jesus, tell these people to be quiet. They're blaspheming. And he says, I tell you, If they keep quiet, the stones will cry out. And there's something happening that is profound in the earth when the creator of the world is coming into the seat of his authority in Jerusalem and people are saying, save us. The the rocks are, are, are shaking, everything around them is in a moment that has never happened before on earth. Now, Jesus allowed himself to be crucified according to God's purpose and shocked his disciples, shocked everyone. 
But his death, burial, and resurrection brought in a new season of history. And we've been living out that history. What they thought was that history was going to come to an end. But actually, there is a second coming. I'm going to read a few passages of Scripture. There was a first coming. There was a release of God's purposes. There was a, our sin was paid for. That circle that she referred to as we share the gospel of God's purposes, a relationship for us, how that's broken, how it's restored in Jesus, and that message coming through our lives to people around us. Now we have something that we are waiting for. There's a second coming. Now, I grew up in an environment where this was something we talked about all the time. My dad was a pastor, and we, he loved to teach out of the book of Revelation. Uh, in my childhood, I'm talking about 60s and 70s, this was, we had deep truth. We were talking about the book of Revelation. And it's almost, I don't know, uh, it's, it's become something that people feel like, oh, I can't talk about this with confidence, or there's something awkward about this. But I want to say, anytime you're recoiling from this truth, there's something related to that that I believe Jesus wants to do in our lives to wake us up again. He wants to wake us up to where there's an expectation that we have. That it's not... Uh, you know, I don't know that I can fully explain this. I don't know that I can explain many things in the Bible. Jesus is coming again. In the foundation of our faith, we believe in the Nicene Creed. The faith of the early Orthodox Church was written in 381 A.D. He will come again in His glory to judge the living and the dead, and His kingdom will have no end. The Old Testament prophet. In Isaiah 40, every valley will be raised up. Every mountain will be made low. So he's saying the depressed places, the broken places are going to be brought up. All the arrogance is going to be brought down. The rugged places will be made a plain. And the glory of the Lord will be revealed. And all people will see it together. For the mouth of the Lord is spoken. All people... We'll see it together. When Jesus first came, it was completely hidden that it would be God presenting himself in humility. But in Revelation chapter 1, 7, it says, Look, he's coming in the clouds, and every eye will see him, even those who pierced him. When I was little, we are talking about this, there was no way we could imagine all people on earth seeing an event all at the same time. We're trying to imagine, okay, do we all get in a great big field somewhere? Uh, you know, because we all get, you know, if you're on the earth and it's coming from outer space somewhere, you know, from the clouds, then the people that are in nighttime on the other side of the planet and they're not seeing it, how do we see this whole thing at the same time? These are real sincere questions of a 13-year-old. But now, this happens. Everyone on earth can see something all 
at the same time. All people will see it together. Jesus spoke about a future day when he would return. Matthew 24. Immediately after the stress of those days, the sun will be darkened, the moon will not give its light, the stars will fall from the sky, and the heavenly bodies will be shaken. This isn't coming, God coming in humility. It's God coming in power as creator. Then will appear the sign of the Son of Man in heaven, and then all the peoples of the earth will mourn when they see the Son of Man coming on the clouds of heaven with power and great glory. The angels said, Jesus will return again. Acts 1, chapter 11. All the disciples and the crowd that were around at that point in time, Jesus has, has ascended, and they're all just looking up into the sky. And then it says these two men in white robes come up beside them and said, why are you standing here like this? The same Jesus who was taken up from you into heaven will come in manner as you saw him go into heaven. And Paul answered the question, how will Christ come again? Verse Thessalonians 4.15, according to the Lord's word, we tell you that we who are still alive, who are left until the coming of the Lord, will certainly not precede those who have fallen asleep. For the Lord himself will come down from heaven, not quietly, with a loud command, with the voice of the archangel, and with the trumpet call of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. After that, we who are still alive and are left will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so we will be with the Lord forever. Therefore, encourage one another with these words. The book of Revelation. How many testimonies would you like to have? Jesus is coming back. All of the pain that we're experiencing in this earth, all the confusion in your own life and in the world around you, there is going to be an end of history. There is going to be a place where all things are made right. Jesus is coming again. The book of Revelation speaks of a day when this age would come to an end. And we're, you know, I, I know as I walk up and down in the streets of Boston, as I'm in a locker room at the YMCA with a bunch of old Irishmen, They don't believe this. It's foolishness. It's ridiculous. What matters is what I can see. What matters is what I can taste and feel. And what matters is the knowledge that I have. Everything's centered on man. And I just want to take you, those that are, say Jesus is Lord of your life, we're looking up again and say, no, there is an end to history. There is a completion Revelations 21.4, what's going to happen? He's going to wipe every tear from their eyes. There'll be no more death or mourning or crying or pain. For the old order of things has passed away. So what do we do with this? You know, <clears throat> what you do during finals is you say, Jesus, come quickly. What you do in the deepest places of pain in your life is you say, Jesus, come quickly. Hosanna, 
Lord, save us. What do we do in light of the fact that Jesus is returning? Don't waste your life right now. When I reflect on these passages, I think, it's not about my 401k. It's not about my long-term plan. All of that means nothing if Jesus comes back tomorrow. There's a, a, a commentary in the book of Hebrews that was written by a man named Arthur Pink, British theologian, ice thick book. You open this thing up, and in, his, in the, uh, the prologue or the introduction, he's talking about the overarching view of the book of Hebrews he's writing about. And then right in the middle of all of that, he says, but wouldn't it be wonderful if Jesus returns and none of this would matter. What do we do now in light of his return? Lord, make this a week of eternity in Brighton. Would you wake us up to not be thinking about what people are thinking about us and be sharing about who Jesus is and his purposes And what do we need to be doing in the light of his return? I want you to wake up every day and say, it could be today. And this oppression, whatever discouragement you're living on, he's saying, he's going to wipe every tear away. The comforter, the one who understands. He will make all things right. And he's making some of these things right through us in our lives on this earth, but there's a time. And I, you know, I, I want you to be comforted. I am comforted. Lord, come quickly. Lord, save us. Lord, reveal yourself. Who you are, Jesus, be seen in our city. Who you are, Jesus, be seen in my family. Who you are, Jesus, come to this world that is so broken. How much more broken can it be? How much more confusing can it get? Lord, save us. And I want to ask you, anyone in this room right now, and you just want to say, I don't fully understand what you're talking about, but I, I need Jesus. I need a Savior right now. If you just close your eyes, if that's you, I don't really understand all of this, but I need a Savior. I've never opened up my heart to Jesus. I need a Savior right now. I'd like you just to put your hand up and put it back down. I need a Savior. Amen. Anyone else? I need a Savior. I need Jesus. Amen. For those that lifted their hands, I want you to just pray along with me. And the rest of you in the room, you can pray a simple prayer. You may have prayed this many times in the past. I know there was a season in my life where I just, it's like, I need to get saved again today. Am I, do I really know the Lord? And here's, this is how you do this. I'll pray the prayer and then you just pray along after me. Father, I'm a sinner. And I know that I've broken your law. 
I know that I've done things that have broken your heart. I know I've done things that have hurt others. Forgive me. Not just forgive me for these individual things, but forgive me. I'm a sinner. Forgive me for this living this whole life out where again and again and again I've turned from your ways. Lord, I recognize you as God. You are the creator. Jesus, I believe that you died for me. I believe that that your death was specifically for me. Come, be my Savior right now. Lord, let your blood be real. One, you who died after living a perfect life, you who died, Son of God, let the blood that you shed be real in my life. Now be my Lord. Be my King. I will obey you. Give me power to walk this out. Give me your power, Holy Spirit, to obey your word and to follow you every day of my life. Amen. You know, I thought I was going to do that once through and then go again, but I think we, I think I made that pretty clear just then. But for those of you that raise your hands, I want to ask you, to find someone that you know and just tell them what you just did. Find someone. Just, I'm, I'm sure if you don't know someone, come up and talk to me in a little bit. We want you to understand what it means. There's so much to learn about who God is, what his plan is for your life, and how to walk that out. And one of the things that happens when a person gives their life to Jesus is they're baptized. So behind door number one, we have something special for you today. Nikki Benoit, come over here. Somebody help me out. All right. Some of you may want to get a little bit closer. Some of your family, you can stand right around here, over near her. Anyone that knows Nikki, come on up, get a little bit closer to her. So this is, well, we're going to draw out a little bit of understanding of baptism as uh, Nikki tells her story. And uh, this is a place of obedience. So you, you have a prayer that you can pray in your car. You can have an experience of the Lord in privacy. But there's a place where you tell the world, I'm going to follow Jesus. I'm going to follow him with my whole life. So, Nikki, tell us um, a little bit about your story. What's, what, um, I, we, we talked about this earlier, but why don't you grab that and... Um, why are you here today? What's, what does Jesus do in your life? Um, yeah, so my name's Nikki, everyone. I think I know a lot of you in the room, but for those of you who don't know, my name's Nikki. Um, I started coming to Antioch last September. Um, 
a little bit about my story. We grew up going to church. Um, we went every Sunday, but it wasn't something that my life was built around. It was kind of um, a Sunday thing and then wasn't thought about the rest of the week. Um, in high school and college, I definitely walked away from my faith. Um, but around my junior, senior year of college, um, I felt like something was missing. So I started looking for a church. And the first church that I walked into, I didn't know anybody. And I just started sobbing during worship. Um, and that's really when I started my personal relationship with Jesus. I went out that day, bought um, my own devotional, started having my morning time with Jesus. But I was in this weird limbo where I was living my life one way, um, but having this time in the morning. And I really wasn't living it out. Um, so really why I'm here today is this past summer, um, I was sitting at home and the TV screen said, something's not quite right. Something's not quite right. And I just lost it. I just was wrecked. Um, at that time, I thought that it was about one specific thing in my life. Um, and the more that I processed it, I realized it was really about my whole life. Um, and ever since, I've been on a war path to make sure that everything in my life is to glorify him. And so in this season of surrender and obedience, and um, I love Jesus, and I'm here. <laughs> <laughs> Awesome. And I'm a awesome. crier. If you don't know me yet, I'm a crier. <laughs> okay. All right. We're going to move over this direction and uh, might get somebody to help with a microphone. Here you go, Kendra. that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. I do. That his death, burial, and resurrection paid for your sins. I sure do. And you've given him your life. You've made him Lord of your life. I sure have. Amen. All right. Well, why don't you scoot down in here. It's my honor, my little sister, to baptize you in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, baptize you into the name of Jesus. Amen. I think you can stay warm right there for just a second. I'm going to pray for her, all right? Thank you, Lord Jesus, for Nikki's testimony. We pray that you would add fire to this testimony that you would give a conviction that would change her life even deeper and deeper, your word would be alive in her, and that many, many people would hear about you and what you've done in her life and what you can do in their lives. Now come, Holy Spirit, freshly baptize her with your life and fire. Make your word alive. Make her a sensitive, tender heart to your voice and boldly, uh, incredibly bold as she interfaces with the world around her. We submit her into your hands in the name of Jesus. Amen. <laughs> 